0: I'm going to read the remaining portion of Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 to 30. Hear now God's holy, infallible, and inerrant word. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how, as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him to you just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger, For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So it's the reading of God's word. Let's pray together. Father, this is uh, your word that uh, you breathed out and you gave us by the hand of Paul. And we pray that uh, you would teach us this morning, rebuke us, correct us, instruct us that we might uh, walk in a way that's pleasing to you. And that we might give you glory we pray these things in jesus name amen you may be seated despite what it may seem at times the the bible is not a academic textbook or a series of scholarly articles it's good for us to apply um ourselves to understanding God's word as best as we possibly can because our minds are weak and our memories short and our understanding is often confused because of our own prejudices or cultural messages and so the spirit of God has worked through uh, the, the collective wisdom of the church over the ages as she's applied her scholarly rigor and academic discipline to best understand what God has revealed to us in his word but at times it can We can lose sight of the fact or forget uh, the human element of God's word. Uh, Scripture did not fall from heaven onto our laps out of the sky, but it came through flesh and blood, um, space and time, uh, from real people in real human circumstances, not just speaking about people, but actually in the context of real human life. And we could see this if we looked at every uh, book of the Bible with this uh, level of clarity, but it's particularly clear in a passage such as this where Paul introduces to us these two individuals, Timothy and Epaphroditus. But even through the human element, brothers and sisters, we can't forget that this is God's word and all scripture is God breathed, breathed out by God and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and instructing. And in this passage that could be very easy for us to pass over as irrelevant to our lives, we, we can see the, the beauty and the glory of God's plan for his people uh, the power of God working in his people and his his loving, tender kindness to condescend to us uh, so that he might speak to us as clearly as possible, as vividly as possible. And as Paul sets before us Timothy and Epaphroditus, what we need to see is that God gives us living examples of God's work in his people so that we might be led to Christ. And encouraged in Christ. So Paul gives us this just short, you know, heads up that he's writing to the church in Philippi. And he's talking about these two brothers, Timothy and Epaphroditus, that split almost evenly across these two men. That's how we'll divide our passage, considering each of these brothers, uh, one after another. First, Timothy, who he hopes, hopes to send soon, and Epaphroditus, who he is sending even sooner. But he begins by saying, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I may too, I uh, too may be cheered by news of you. Now, Paul doesn't give hardly any introduction to the man Timothy because it's very likely the Church of Philippi already knew Timothy. We we just read from Acts chapter 16, where we are introduced to Timothy. Um by Luke, the doctor who, as he tells the story of the early church, Paul uh, encountered Timothy in Derby or Lystra. He was, Timothy was a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. His mother was a Jewish believer. His father was a Greek, and immediately Paul and Timothy seem to have hit it off and were like-minded, and Paul's desire was to bring Timothy with him on his upcoming or his his missionary journeys as he went. And shortly thereafter, if we had kept reading in Acts chapter 16, is where we would see Paul's uh, coming to the Philippi and starting this church, planting this church in Philippi. And so the Philippian believers no doubt knew Timothy. Timothy was probably there with Paul and a few others, Silas and perhaps Luke himself. Um, and so Paul says, um, you know Timothy's proven worth. You know who he is, um, he, how as a son with a father, he served with me in the gospel. He had, Timothy had served with Paul in Philippi. Um, and Paul's primary intent of sending Timothy is to be Paul's messenger. He says, I I hope to uh, be cheered by news of you. Paul had talked uh, in chapter 1, you might remember how he had said, you know, what I want you to be focused on is whether I come and am able to see you or whether I'm absent, I might hear a report from you that you are standing firm in one spirit contending for the sake of the gospel. Now Paul intends to send Timothy to get that report, and he hopes to be cheered by news of them. Um, but I think his purpose for sending Timothy is a little bit more than just a, a messenger. Paul intends to send Timothy because Timothy exemplifies those Christian and Christ-like characteristics that Paul had just exhorted the church to live out. The beginning of chapter one, or chapter two sorry, Paul had said, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. He said, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love. He says, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but the interests of others. And then he pointed to Christ and he said, this is our model. We, we must follow Christ. Christ was the perfect example of this. He counted Equality with God, something not to be grasped, but he made himself nothing for us. He considered our needs. But notice what he says about Timothy. You know, Paul had said, if there's any affection and sympathy, there's clear affection between Paul and Timothy. He says he's like a son with a father. Some of the most tender letters that we have in Scripture are from Paul to Timothy, the 1st and 2nd Timothy book, where Paul begins to Timothy, my beloved child in the faith. And clearly Timothy reciprocated that, how like a son with a father, they had deep affection. And that deep affection resulted in what Paul had said in in, in chapter 2, verse uh, verse 3. He said, be of the same mind. Uh, he says, "I have no one like him." Really, what he says there is, "I have no one who is of the same mind." That, that same mindedness—they were joined by the Spirit of Christ, and they had a, a, they were of the same mind. They were of the full of accord together, and that same mind resulted in their care and concern for the church. He says, "I have no one like him who will be genuine con- concern for your welfare." They all seek their own interests not that of Jesus Christ. He cares for you as much as I care for you. We are like-minded in that. We have that mutual concern, just like what he had told them. And, beloved, that that ought to be really exciting to us about how God works here. It, it's 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 one thing for God to be kind enough to reveal himself to us in his word, which he does. And it's kind enough... Uh, for him to reveal how we can live in a way that's pleasing to him, which is what Paul had done. Paul had exhorted the church. This is how you must live, and, and and it's necessary for us to be pointed to Jesus Christ to say, "This is the sum and total of our hope, and this is the model, the perfect model for which we need to live." But God doesn't stop there. He says, "I'm going to work in you. This is going to be my work." Put it into practice because God is where I work in you. And and that's encouraging. But then he says, see, I've done it. Here's my workmanship. As Paul is saying, I'm going to send Timothy. You see how he behaves to see that I do work in you. That which is pleasing in my sight. And, uh, beloved, God really works. And he really works in ordinary people even like you and me, uh, ordinary people with feet of clay. Uh, Timothy, I mean, we know from other passages, Timothy was, uh, he was humble, but he was humble even to the point uh, of timid, being timid. And I'm sure he had no desire to be highlighted here by the Apostle Paul and written for us in God's Word. And yet, just as Lord Jesus, who perfectly humbled himself, and God exalted him to the highest, place, God honors the lowly of heart, as he does here for Timothy. But it's, notice it's not just, it's not because of Timothy's personality or his own character. It's because, it's there in verse 21, he says, they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. It's because Timothy It wasn't just that he cared about the church of Philippi and those brothers and sisters. It was that Christ Jesus cares about them. And Timothy's love for Christ developed this deep affection and like-mindedness with Paul, but also this heart, this self-sacrificial heart of service uh, for the church in Philippi. And so Paul eagerly hopes to send Timothy to them soon, as soon as he finds out how it will turn out for him. But even sooner than that, he is sending Epaphroditus. In fact, it's probably it's likely that Epaphroditus is actually holding this letter from Paul as uh, they receive it. Epaphroditus, uh, we don't know much. About Epaphroditus, but he he appears to be unlike Timothy, who was kind of like a young pastor. Epaphroditus was a lay leader of the church in Philippi. He was from Philippi. He was sent by the church of Philippi, and he is entrusted with this gift. He seems to be the courier, the messenger who brings this gift to the Apostle Paul, probably a large sum of money. And as such, he probably did not travel alone but in a group and at some point in his ministry he becomes ill and some scholars think that it may have been somewhere along the 800 mile journey from philippi to rome and the philippian church catches wind of his illness perhaps one from the group went back and told them they are concerned about apaphrasis's welfare and but eventually Epaphroditus makes it to Rome, uh, faithfully carrying out his ministry, bringing the gift, and is there with Paul, and he eventually recovers. Um, it's likely that Dr. Luke was there with Paul in Philippi. Uh, we, we don't hear about him in, in the book of Philippians, but we hear about him in Colossians, And perhaps Luke was involved in the care of Epaphroditus, but Paul doesn't say say anything about that. He simply says, and he doesn't talk about any other doctors, he just says, God had mercy on Epaphroditus, and mercy on me as well that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Epaphroditus got better. He He was recovered from his illness. And so now that he's all well, Paul is eager to send Epaphroditus back, to Philippi. But when he sends him back, he wants to send him back with great honor. Great honor. He he sends him back with five, with this letter, and he gives him five honorific titles. He says, uh, verse 25, he says, uh, I'm sending to you Epaphroditus, my brother. And brothers and sisters, uh, the church of God is not a impersonal organization or a business. We are, we are a family. Uh, Paul had already talked about how Timothy and Paul shared this father-son relationship. And here he talks about Epaphroditus being his brother. We are connected as a family. This is our true and eternal family with one God and father overall. And he says, Epaphroditus is my brother. And he also says, my fellow worker, Uh, Paul viewed his gospel ministry as his gospel labor. You might remember from the earlier passage that we had last week that he said, I hope that I'm not laboring in vain. Um, His gospel labor was the preaching and teaching and also the care and ministry of the saints. And he says, Epaphroditus is my fellow worker. Also his fellow soldier. He also viewed the gospel ministry as warfare. He said to Timothy, I'm fighting the good fight. You fight the good fight of the faith, proclaiming the gospel in the midst of a dark place as ambassadors of Christ Jesus. And he also says, fourth, he says, he is your messenger. And yes, he was, brought, he, he was the messenger who brought the gift from Philippi, but what he's, what he's reminding them is, he says, Epaphroditus, he's, he's a trustworthy messenger. It's highlighting his trustworthiness. He successfully navigated that entire route, bringing that. And fifth, he is my your minister to my need. Paul actually evokes uh, sacrificial language there, uh, suggesting that the, the gift that they sent, the financial gift, was like their sacrifice, which they were offering to God to serve Paul and he speaks as though Epaphroditus is the minister who brings that and offers that gift on their behalf. And Paul's intent is to send him, send him back for a few different reasons. He's eager to send them back because uh, Epaphroditus, his heart is still with them. He says he is, he's been longing for you, and he's been distressed because you heard that he was ill. And he was ill, even to the point of death. And he says, so now I'm more eager to send him back so that you might rejoice at seeing him again and so that I might be less anxious. And so he sends him back and he says, he gives him a charge. He says, verse 29, so receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. Honor such men. He says, for he nearly died. For the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what is lacking in your service to me. Beloved, we can't miss it. It's, it's there yet again. Epaphroditus is being sent back as a Christ-like example of exactly what Paul has been exhorting the church to do all, all, all up until this point. He says, um, Epaphroditus is my brother. We, we are brothers in Christ, brothers and sisters, because of the sacrifice of our brother, Jesus Christ. He is not ashamed to call us brothers because of the love of God the Father and sending his only Son for us. We are adopted in him. We are fellow workers because God is at work within us to will and to work according to his good pleasure. That's why we work with all of our might for the glory of God because God is at work in us. So much so that Paul will tell the church in Corinth We are God's fellow workers. We are God's fellow workers. And we are fellow soldiers because we are citizens of the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the commander of the Lord's armies and he works in us to fight the good fight, waging war with the gospel of grace, not with weapons of warfare of this age, but with Uh, The knowledge of who Jesus is, tearing down strongholds of sin, proclaiming Christ crucified, and the power of God in the gospel. And we are messengers of God only because God sent his son to be the messenger of his grace, the messenger of the gospel, that God sent him as the very word of God to speak to us that we might be ministered to. Jesus as our great high priest, that we might be able to minister to one another. And so Epaphroditus is being held up as a Christ-like example over and over again, even even to the point of his near sacrifice. Says he was, says, receive him in the Lord, for he, he nearly died for the work of Christ risking his life to complete what was lacking. He didn't consider even his own life worth preserving. There, some scholars think that Paul's is actually doing some kind of clever play on words there because Epaphroditus' name means uh, favorite of Aphrodite. And Aphrodite was the Greek goddess of, among other things, fortune and gambling. And what Paul is saying is like, he gambled his life to complete what was lacking for your, your sake. And that's a safe gamble, beloved, because we can't lose. That's what Paul said he, earlier. Is he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We, there's, a, there's a no-lose situation, and, and Epaphroditus exemplified that. He nearly died. And yet he didn't die because God showed mercy. And beloved, what we need to remember is that we take mercy for we can take mercy for, for granted. But we have to remember that we have God's mercy because of Jesus Christ, who didn't nearly die, but really died for us. He God didn't show mercy on his son. God sent his son and put him on the cross and he poured out his perfect justice and his perfect judgment and he put our sins on him and he turned his back and he poured out his wrath on his son in perfect measure so that we could be recipients of his mercy. So that we could serve and receive mercy. And he says, but... but, The shocking thing for us ought to be where where Paul says, honor such men. Honor such men. And what we need to understand is that the gospel of grace is so powerful, beloved, that Christ will be honored in our bodies. That's what Paul had said in chapter 1. He said, I have full courage that Christ will be honored in my body. And we, our entire hope is in our union with Christ Jesus. That in Christ Jesus, when he died, we died with him. And when he was buried, we buried with him. And when he was raised from the dead, we were raised with him. And when he ascended into heaven, we were ascended with him. But Christ Jesus will be honored in our bodies too. Christ Jesus will receive all honor and glory and power. And in Christ Jesus, we get a share of that so that Christ Jesus will be honored because of the work that he does in us. We are his workmanship, and God puts his workmanship on display, and he says, honor such men, not because there's anything in that man, but because Christ is shining through. God's workmanship is on display, and God says, honor my son. Honor this man. You're honoring Christ. And that is glorious and beloved i hope you see the 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 beauty of god's plan and how he condescends to clearly show us what is what is his will and that he's he is true to his word because it's not so much he he, he speaks his word he points us to christ he works in us but then he puts on display his workmanship for us to see and and have evidence of, and we need to pay attention to that and give glory to God. But it's also stunning that God, the Spirit, would tell us that we must honor those recipients of God's grace and God's work, because we know, we know that we are nothing. We know that we deserve nothing good, That because of our sin, our utter pitch black sin, we deserve God's wrath, God's curse forever and ever. And yet we know that God is so loving that he bestows his grace upon us, that he would save us for his own. And we rejoice on that. And yet we know (laughs) that we must work with this grace that has been given to us, that God must be at work at us. But the fact that then God would say, "Honor the recipients of that grace; honor those who are only working by the strength of Christ Jesus at them," is remarkable. But this beloved is a word not just for the church of Philippi. This is God's word for us as well. God puts has has put examples before your eyes, before my eyes, to exemplify God's work of Christ in us. And Paul says, under the authority of God's word, or the authority of the Holy Spirit, honor such men. In God's providence, beloved, I did not choose this passage for today, but in God's providence, we will be celebrating today the ministry of David Bell, ruling elder who has gone emeritus. And God says, we must honor such men. And I know that Dave has the humility of these men and has no desire to be put on a pedestal or be spoken of from the pulpit, but the Apostle Paul names names and says, look and see Christ in this men. And so we will do that as well. As I have considered... The man Epaphroditus, what Paul says about him, and considered the ministry of David Bell, I've seen stunning parallels. He's been my brother. Even though many years my senior, he has exemplified humility that he would follow my lead and the lead of his younger brothers on the session. He's willing to admit his... Weaknesses and his occasional mistakes. He knows his limitations. He's been my brother to help me help redirect my grumbling and complaining. You've probably heard him say, Well, I understand your point, but to turn something from grumbling to something positive. He's been my fellow worker, brothers and sisters. I don't know for certain that Zion Presbyterian Church would be here were it not for the ministry of David Bell. He was foundational in the planting and the setup of this church from the beginning until this day in every way. He has been a co-laborer in prayer for all of you and for the ministry here, and he has served together in the ministry of the word. He has been a fellow soldier for the gospel. We have stood side by side on this Stage as we have waged war with the gospel of grace, we have stood side by side in very difficult shepherding cases, both here at Redeemer or at Redeemer and here at Zion, and we have sat side by side in many wonderful uh, interviews as we have received members into uh, the church. We have received kids to the table. He's been a fellow soldier. He's been your messenger. just as Paphroditus was entrusted with a large sum of money, David Bell has been involved with the, the financial matters of this church in a very integral way, both here and at Redeemer. and He's been faithful and trustworthy in all of those things. And he's been your minister to my need. David has served as the shepherd of my wife and my family, and he has been an encourager that I think we could all attest to that has been a pillar in God's work in all of our lives. But I know in my life, in very dark times in my ministry, Dave cared for me, encouraged me in ways that I can never express with words. But the Lord knows, and I can honestly say that I do not know if I would be standing here in ministry if we not for the ministry of David Bell. And he did that. On behalf of all of you, he was your elder, filling up what you could not do. He was ministering to my needs. And beloved, let's make no mistake about it. He could have done none of this were it not for the faithful ministry of his wife, Joni, who stood by his side and gave loving support, encouraging Dave, praying for Dave, praying for him and for all of us. She sacrificed her husband's time and her husband's attention for our sakes and for the sake of Christ, and loving, out of loving service for her Lord. And as husbands, we are called to honor our wives. And so any honor that Dave might receive belongs to Joni, in an increased measure. And beloved, we have to look and see Christ in these examples that God puts in front of us, and rejoice because God does indeed work in us to will and to work according to his good pleasure. He does minister to us through these weak vessels, even like Dave and Joni, to help build us up in our holy faith and point us to Christ. And so we must honor such men because we're honoring Christ in the work of God. Beloved, Dave and Joni have laid down their lives for you and for me, thinking not about their own interests, but the interests of us. Out of love for Christ, having the same mind that is ours in Christ Jesus. So honor them. Beloved, this is all to the glory of Christ. This is showing the lavish love of God working in us and loving us well. And we know, we know that the true glory does not go to Dave or Joni or any one of us. Just as we said from Psalm 115, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to you be the glory. And one of of my favorite images in all of Scripture is in the book of Revelation, where you see the 24 elders representing God's people crowned with glory and honor and they come before the throne and they take off their crowns and they throw them before the throne and they say, Worthy are you, O Lord, to receive all glory and honor and power and praise. Because from him and through him and to him are all things. And so, beloved, let us do that even now. Let us rejoice in the kindness and love of our God. And let us give Christ our Savior all the glory for he indeed deserves it and is all due to him let's pray thank you that you love us in so many uh, immense ways thank you for your grace for how you minister to us through one another thank you for your spirit which does these things thank you for christ in whom is all of our hope we pray that we would be faithful to love one another As Christ has loved us and to show the love of Christ, to shine with the love of Christ in our lives, that you might be glorified and help us to honor those that do. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.